Welcome in Bench Warpers, episode 55 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. I'm going to get it out of the way early. We have a birthday in the house. I don't know if you want me to sing the uh, Benny Hanna no, version. No, or, no, right? no. <laughs> okay, uh, Nico's birthday is today. As you are listening to this, if you're listening on the day it's released on Wednesday, September 1st. So happy birthday, Nico. But we got plenty of things to get to in this episode. We recap some week zero college football. We give a, a shout out for one of our former guests and his lock of the week, <clears throat> quote unquote, lock of the week. We uh, talk some fantasy football, break down the top five in the running backs and tight ends position, and we recap some preseason, talk about our teams, get our final feelings about what we're expecting for the regular season in the NFL coming up. Uh, and then obviously some fun stories and segments, but that's all going to be coming up after you hear Nico's center of attention on the Bishop Sycamore situation against IMG. Um, but be sure to follow us on our social medias at FEOTB pod, subscribe to our YouTube channel episodes drop every Wednesday on all your favorite podcasting platforms at 11 a.m. Mountain standard time and YouTube uh, comes out Thursday and Friday. And we'll have an extra video for you guys on Monday, this upcoming week. So be sure to subscribe, follow along uh, all that good stuff, join us. And we will have some cool and exciting announcements coming up for you soon. But Nico, uh, you just finished up your Jordan year. So no, no, got, no. We... It, was, it was LeBron year, man. Okay, well, Le... agree to disagree, but now... Hey, now Mama Mentality we... now, baby. Mama Mentality now. 24, baby. Did you know that there is Manti Tail's girlfriend who is a high school graduate at Bishop Sycamore High School? Yes, that Bishop Sycamore High School that doesn't exist apparently. To but everybody knew that except for ESPN. Well, this is necessary attention for this this week. This story just gets wilder and wilder by the day. So I think it was either Saturday or Sunday this past week. The number one or number a top five high school football team in the country in IMG, known for its standout players, played a high school by the name of Bishop Sycamore, an Ohio school, quote unquote, school, and they get destroyed by 58-0. ESPN and their agencies did no research on the school whatsoever. Um, basically, basically they told them they had at least fifteen D one recruits. The school went zero and six last year they scored 42 points in total giving up 227 they played two days before the game on espn lost espn couldn't verify any of the players they were they're given a stat sheet of players with 20 names on it for a high school football game <laughs> just just and and most of the players were juco dropouts which means they're 19 years or older and they're playing 18 year olds at least one guy was using a fake name the head coach had an arrest warrant, but wait, there's more. The school apparently was was a has been has been playing against normal high school teams for years now. This is one of the weirdest stories, one of the craziest things that ever happened, and and I think this this Bishop Sycamore thing it's hilarious that they got it through, but my lord, how in the world did the con artists behind this pull this off? I uh, I can't believe, you know, 
ESPN, we talk a lot about ESPN being the, the biggest sports outlet, sporting outlet. It's the CNN of sports news. Yet, uh, if you're going to play in their marquee matchup Sunday, it was the Sunday night primetime game. It's IMG Academy. Everybody, if you're a high school football fan, you know IMG Academy. And they go out and they let them play against this team that lied about the kids that they had on their team. They said that the roster that was sent two months in advance when they were scheduling the game didn't match the roster that was there Sunday. And the fact that they played a game Friday and Sunday, that's illegal. That's that's actually not legal. That, that's not okay the, to do for high school athletes. The things were one on top of the other. The guy, one of the guys got injured during the game. And the announcer straight up said, it was like, we don't have a number 54 on the roster, so we apologize in advance. Um, we do not know this guy's name. And also, they didn't have their own trainers. They were using the IMG trainers. Like, how, how, how does this even game, first of all, get put on? And then B, to a point where it gets put on national TV. Yeah. IMG should be ashamed, too. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure that like, they're what? they're probably the most upset out of anybody. I, it's a bad look on ESPN and Paragon as the company. By the way, this is the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Plato and Nico Bryant, episode fifty-five. Thank you guys for tuning in, and be sure to follow us at FEOTB Pod. But no, Bishop Sycamore, they pulled a fast one on everybody, and I think the big the people that I would be most, if I wanted to say who would be the most mad, it would be IMG Academy because IMG they're not quote unquote a high school, they're a prep school. So they can't really compete for postseason awards or anything like that. So this is how they make their money. This is how they get people to come to their games and to have ESPN go, okay, Hey, we got this Bishop Sycamore team. They got 15 D one recruits and they're going to come in here. They're going to give you guys a game. And for what showed up, like, I don't think IMG, if I'm IMG, I'm double checking everything ESPN does from now on, because the way that this whole thing went over, it was like, it was like Carlos from the Benchwarmers. Shout out to Benchwarmers, but it's like give you a birth certificate. I am twelve with a headshot at five bucks. You're like, oh yeah, this seems legit. Except for the fact that they kicked their ass. Yeah, <laughs> like I am you a bunch of freaking sixteen year old little punks whooped up a bunch of like twenty three year olds. It's like incredible that, that's what that's twelve what hours of practice funnier. a day. It's incredible what twelve hours of practice and film study a day will do for you. But no, that's that group the, of that is weird. That, that group of te- that team when they walked out the tunnel, it looks like like a little league team. Your little league team is more organized walking out of a tunnel than they were. They they had no warm ups. The, the play calls is a, it was a third grade offense. No offense, but it was. And like it's just like they, they threw in. I think it was the safety or whatever at quarterback because their original quarterback got got hurt, and their only offensive plays was QB runs by him. Like it, they, it was it was one of the. This is this is a this is going to be one of the best thirty for thirties we will ever hear like or ever watch in a few years like it's going to be nuts. I can't believe it happened. I think honestly, I think we probably do more background checks and make sure that the kids playing in the games are actually playing in the in my little league games. We had our first game and we made sure there were some big kids on the other sideline, but you could tell like we knew that we were playing another team of ninth grade or nine year olds. IMG did not know that they were playing against the sisters of the poor and like the mean machine, all the kids that just got off the bus from prison or wherever they were from. I know it's D2 and Juco bounce backs, but this, what if this goes the other way? Imagine that. What if Bishop Sycamore with their 19 year olds came in and and it actually happens how it normally does. Like when we played in the FBU tournament 
against a team that was in eighth grade and like nine, nine kids drove to the game themselves. Imagine if IMG gets beat up and these grown men just dominate these young kids. Like this could have gone very badly that's in the other boss, direction. That's too. a lawsuit waiting to happen. Like, yeah. like it, it, it's being blown by because it, they were they were worried about the health and safety of the team that was this twenty three year olds <laughs> because every <laughs> look you you could you could put both of our moms on the offensive line and they would have done more than what the uh, Bishop Sycamore offensive line did because once the ball was snapped. All four IFG D1 recruits were in the backfield. Like it was legit some of the like funniest, weirdest football I think I've ever seen. And the announcers at, at points were like, I think because because the announcer's name is uh, Adam Amin, I'm pretty sure. And you could tell he was at, at one point in the game, he was like, is this really a school? Like he, he, you could, there was a, there's a turn. He was like, I don't know. Are we getting punked right now? Is there, is there, is there a camera TV show, hidden camera show? Like, like, is there something going on? Like, is this a scrimmage? Like, but no, like they let, it, it's just wild. To me. Absolutely wild. It's terrible. And it was worst case scenario for ESPN because it happened during week zero, which is quote unquote, the start of college football, but nobody was taking it seriously. And then to have that happen also on that week, you're just like, please let's just move into regular season NFL and make sure that we get our viewers on Saturdays for college football. Um, speaking of which the, the week zero, I think the only game of note for week zero was that Nebraska Illinois game, Brett Bielema coming in and getting a fir- his first dub as the Illinois head coach shout out a former guest of our show. gave a, his lock of the day, hashtag fear or locks, Jeremy fear, shout out you buddy uh, putting out Illinois, Losing to Nebraska as a as his lock of the day minus seven also minus, minus seven, seven. Yeah. he said take the they he took, take, the, take spread. the spread take the spread so, and it didn't, it guess, didn't go I, that way I promise you we will be retweeting every single weekly Jeremy pick how stupid they are he's on one this far but I I'll be honest I saw his tweet I bet the other way because 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 this Nebraska team because uh, you know I think I think like most college football fans probably woke up. Um, Saturday morning because I had, a, I had I was driving 13 hours that morning so I was listening to college game day and, and it's great to see those guys back and they were talking about Nebraska and how overhyped they are and I was like man this team sucks I was like I was like I'm picking Illinois I threw money on Illinois won me 30 bucks Are you kidding me that was the easiest money I've ever won I mean it was money line too and Nebraska man. <laughs> The, the 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 fraternity that are that they play or at uh um oh at Illinois had it best their their sign on their on their front of their house said Nebraska is a volleyball school and ladies and gentlemen this is true <laughs> this sure. is very very true all I all I wish though is that it would have been CU and CU would have whooped their ass again because oh that would have been it's so much more sweeter. But it was even more hilarious. But now with this alliance shit, it could very well happen very very soon. So maybe Scott Frost sticks around for that much longer. I don't know though. Scott Frost has not been what they thought he was going to be. It's a far cry from that 2017 UCF team that got him hired. I can't believe they lost this game. I opened up ESPN when we were when I was doing my prep for today's show. And the top performers were all on Nebraska. Adrian Martinez, 16 to 32 for 232 yards and a touchdown. He had 17 carries for 111 yards and a 75-yard touchdown rush. And then they also had a kid with over 100 receiving yards and a touchdown. Yet Illinois was able to not even have to score points in the fourth quarter and still win the game. 
Like it's it's comical how much Nebraska just finds new ways to lose at this point. That's basically all you can say. They just invent new ways to lose. They're the Los Angeles Chargers of college football at the moment. Oh, I enjoy the hell out of it. Like you said, I enjoy the Chargers fucking up every week because they're my rivals. And I don't. And a GCU doesn't have a football team, so I claim CU technically. And CU hates Nebraska football for 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 longest time. There's that rivalry, so I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Scott Frost, that poor guy, won 13 win, had 13 wins his last year at UCF. He has 12 wins currently in three years. <laughs> that poor guy, man. Like, like he he should have like it's honestly, I'm not even blaming him anymore because I think it's the players at this point. There's a stigma now that is this bad because Scott Frost, I think, could be a good coach, but he he they came in like he was the Nick Saban. When he was hired, everybody in Nebraska thought, oh, my God, here's the guy that will take us to the promised land. Here's the guy that will get Nebraska football back on track. And he's Scott a legendary Frost alumni, right too. I mean, he's, the ele- yeah, he's, he's a legendary alumni. He went, led them to a couple 12, 13-win seasons himself. And he just wasn't ready for that. And the poor guy, man. He's 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 gonna ha- he's gonna be searching for jobs real soon, buddy. He I don't think he makes it through the season. I mean, I think because Nebraska Nebraska does not wait around for much, and they've waited around for a long time. Three seasons, three losing records. It's not like you're at Michigan, and at least you're like above five hundred with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has a short leash, but he's had winning seasons. He just can't win the big one. Here, Nebraska doesn't win anything. <laughs> like it's literally nothing. <laughs> Nebraska's media is just as bad as the Philadelphia media, too. They go after like Bo Pelini had three winning seasons within the Big Ten championship uh, when Nebraska first came over to that conference, and he was on the hot seat for all three of those years. So Nebraska has no idea what they're doing, and Illinois took advantage of it. Uh, other than that, we'll talk a little bit more later on about some big college games coming up this weekend for the start of week one. But uh, now we'll transition and talk about some of the preseason action. Before we talk about, we're basically just going to talk about our two teams. But uh, Josh Allen made his return, and the Bills got a big win, 19-0 against the Packers. But Josh Allen, I mean, did you have any doubt that he was going to continue that path that he was on from last year? He looked great. Do do you think that there's a – now that we've seen him have that MVP caliber season, is he going to press a little bit? Do you think we maybe see a down year from him? Josh Allen, it just worries me because teams will key on the running back position. Because, like, like I said, Zach Moss, I said this last week, they don't have anything running back-wise. They have great receivers. They have a, a – You want to know who their uh, leading rusher was this past weekend? I don't know. Who was it? Jake Fromm, the backup quarterback. Oh, my God. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, like – at some point, you you key on something like defense is key on that. They will throw like like there's a reason teams scheme so easily. That's the easiest thing to scheme for. If a team has no running game and not the best offensive line, what the fuck do you do? You send seven, send eight, and 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 double cover double cover Stephon Diggs, and then you win a football game. If, if you can take, they do have Emmanuel Sanders now too. Yeah, shout out to Manuel, but still, like it's it, either way, Manuel's washed up now too. Like it's, I, 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 I'm not a, I'm a believer in Josh Allen. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not in a believer on this roster. 
because I think the, the I think the defense is slightly overhyped. It's good, don't get me wrong, but I do think it is slightly overhyped. They don't have a whole lot of star star players on that on the other side. But Josh Allen is going to take this team as far as he wants. I just think that to get over the Chiefs and and I guess technically get over the Buccaneers, they're going to need to do a lot more adjustments in the offseason than they did this year. I'm hoping that they find some sort of running game because one of my bets that I have in beats of the week kind of relies on them figuring themselves out. But the, you're not wrong saying that their defense isn't as good as it was. I think their be- the best that their defense was was two years ago when Josh Allen was still trying to figure himself out. Last year was a little bit worse than it had been the year before, and this year, same thing. Um, but they still have Micah, Micah Hyde in the secondary and Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, and Ed Oliver. So they have three solid pillars at each level of the defense. I'm just interested to see. I think maybe having those expectations, you kind of got to wonder how Buffalo is going to react to um, everything that's going on. But now – I will, let's start with the Bengals because I think we we should we owe it to the listeners to end on something positive and you're wearing a Broncos hat and they went undefeated in the preseason. So, yes, the Broncos are going to be that something positive this week. But the Bengals, uh, I don't know what to think about it. So Joe Burrow made his return, which is great. And our pansy-ass head coach took him out like two minutes into the game. I think he got maybe half of a, half of one drive. Stupid. Stupid. This guy just tore his MCL and ACL and he's finally back out on the field and he needs to see live action so that he can figure out how to be confident on his leg. No, no. You know what? We'll, we'll just not have him go out there and play at all in the preseason. <sighs> Shit. Does our offensive line look any better? Slightly. Not really. We cut Michael Jordan today. It's well, just shout out, shout out the goat, obviously. But hey, I will. I'm going to add insult to injury here. The two guys that you guys were in rumors of drafting both suck. Penny Sewell, oh, my God, some of the worst O-line steps I've ever seen. Did you see him against the fucking Jets? Oh, my God. Quiddy Pay had, had three sacks on him alone. Penny, so you, you, you've dodged a bullet with that. I said, and Jamal- I said it would be a bullet, yeah. And then Jamar Chase also has more drops this preseason than he did all of college. I, so, I, I seem to remember you having uh, a highly drafted receiver that had a case of the drops last year, too. I know, but there's a difference. We drafted him at 15. You drafted him at 5. Well, I, Jamar I Chase think, I think is Jamar supposed Chase, to be the number one. If he fixes his <laughs> drops, I think Jamar Chase is better than Jerry Judy. I think he shows a higher ceiling than what Jerry Judy shows. I think Jerry Judy still is the best route runner in football right now. I think Jamar Chase has a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong. But but right now, Joe Burrow, first of all. <laughs> he's going to be so scared next. Uh, he's going to be so scared week one, and it's going to be terrible. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a blessing you didn't draft Penny Sewell because Joe Burrow wouldn't have, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have uh, been healthy at all through the preseason. He would have gotten one lick. Like moving Penesul, who hasn't played football in one full year, to right tackle right away, which is probably what the Bengals would have done too. That would have got Joe Burrow a career-ending injury. <laughs> At least the Lions don't care because Jared Goff is not the future of this team. <laughs> like they're going to be drafting a quarterback next year. Everyone knows that, so they could care less. So like it's 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 just funny to me, and I, I think Jamar Chase has a high ceiling. But if Joe Burrow can't stay upright, it doesn't matter how good 
Jamar Chase is. A.J. Green was the top five receiver, but he was meaning, meaningless unless you played fantasy football. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't been a top five receiver, I think, in two seasons. Um, it's going to – the only bet downside for me, especially not having Burrow play a lot in the preseason, is now we're going to be in the same situation as last year where it's going to take like three weeks for everybody to get comfortable with each other again and, and figure out how to get things rolling. So by that time, we'll be out of the playoff picture. Don't worry, I wasn't – wasn't predicting playoffs for the Bengals anytime soon, but I was just, I'd like to be in the conversation. I think what, what I'm most worried about now after watching what they did in preseason is, you know, maybe they're just not coached well enough to be, to put themselves in positions to win. Cause some teams, I think the jets are a great example. Look at them last year. They weren't coached well enough to just somehow put themselves in position to win. And I see similar things in the Bengals and Zach Taylor this year. So that's why I'm already starting to well, – my Sunday ticket kicks in first uh, after September 2nd next week is when Sunday ticket kicks in. So I'll be watching game one of the Bengals versus the Vikings, and I am, I'm just getting everybody prepared. It might be a long season. There might be a lot of heartbreak. I might give up, you know, week two of this year instead of week four or five or whatever I gave up last week. Uh, uh, but – we should have at least something decent to talk about. And, and I think, especially I was at the game Saturday, so I watched it in person, but your Broncos picked the right guy at quarterback. I, I just want to remind everyone, I literally as last week's episode was released, it was, it was announced that Teddy Bridgewater was a quarterback. So kudos on me for my sources, you know, that because all my credible sources that I, I know everywhere around Denver telling me that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback because he is. Um, I don't know if it's the sexy pick. It's the pick that will get this team to the playoffs because all I have seen from this defense, and it's preseason, so I don't care really much about preseason, but we faced three of, three of the shittiest organizations the first three weeks of the season. We faced the, the Giants, who, who were four games under 500 and almost made the playoffs. We faced the Jaguars with a rookie quarterback and the Jets with a rookie quarterback. Which means Trevor Lawrence and Joseph Fields are not going to know what hit them when the def- when this defense comes rolling. Giants worried me a little bit, but I still feel like this defense is strong enough. This defense is going to be a top five defense. Lock it down. The question will be whether T- Teddy Bridgewater will not make mistakes. Will he be able to throw the ball over the top to, to, to KJ Hamlin at Drew Lock? No, he won't. Will he be able to get Noah Flant in the flat? Yes, he will. Will Jerry Judy be the next slant god like Michael Thomas? Yes, he will. Colin Sun, who is one of the craftiest receivers people forget about, is an absolute stud. Dude, dude is coming back from an injury. He was a pro bowler two years ago, and he's coming back healthy too. This offense has the right weapons. This, like I said last week, all this tells me is that Aaron Rodgers will be in orange and blue next year. <laughs> I'm still hoping now because he wants out, and the Broncos, all this means is, and all this means is that they're going to be shopping next year. If Teddy Bridgewater still makes the playoffs, they're going to be shopping next year. Drew Locke took the, took the, the step down like a man. They, 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 he said, I lost a job, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you did. And you had two and a half years, and you were unhealthy. And if it wasn't for a four-game stretch, his first, season, first year in the NFL, Drew Locke would have not been on the scene. Let's be honest. He would have not been on the scene. We are basing the fact that Drew Locke is going to be a good quarterback off of that four-game stretch. That's what Broncos fans have to realize. We are, the Broncos fans are, are so 
I'm talking as in general, we're so greedy because we've had Peyton and we've had John Elway that we expect greatness from a quarterback position. I'm telling you right now, Terry Bridgewater will get us to the playoffs. Will he win us the Super Bowl? Probably not. But this team will be back to winning football and we'll be playing meaningful games in December. We haven't had that for five years. I'm sorry. It's not like we're going to the Super Bowl right away. It's a it's a slow grind. This defense is going to be incredible. And, man, I, I people were like, well, why did you not pick Joseph Fields then? And let you – Patrick Sertan is going to be a top three cornerback in football. Guaranteed. I promise you, Bucket, he is going to be that good. And, and not passing on him and, and letting Terry Bridgewater start for a year, it could be a good quarterback in next year's draft. You, you took the cornerstone of your secondary in the first round instead of waiting on a quarterback for a full year to sit on her guy. That gets your team back to the playoffs right now. It does. And, 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 and Teddy Bridgewater, he's like people, people are acting like he's this bum. He is not a bum. He, he has been two years under – under, Okay. But he's sat two years underneath Drew Brees – any quarterback that does that learns something. He was in the Sean Payton offense, and 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 it's not, and he he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He went to the Pro Bowl. Yes, he did. Look it up. He went to the Pro Bowl. Like he will do the smart things. And what beat us last year? We we lost too many games last year turning the football over. It was like, nope. There's Drew Locke throwing an interception. Oh, there's this because we can't score an offense. Teddy Bridgewater will do the smart play and get this team to stay on the field and let your defense go to work because that's how we won Super Bowl 50 news flash Peyton, Man- didn't, Peyton Manning didn't win Super Bowl 50 for us. It was Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware and the lead le- and, and the uh, no fly zone. Shout out Vaughn for getting back on the field for the first time since he tore his, he didn't see any even preseason or that. It's been two years. Year, yeah. It's been two full seasons since, he's, since he hasn't been on the field. He tore it in the, in the, um, not the preseason. He tore it in training camp last year. Yeah. Didn't play the year before. Cause they didn't even have preseason last year. So he's been out for a while. It was good to see him back on the field being at the stadium. I mean, this defense, they're also, I think Fangio at least is a good head coach because they're not going to panic. And this defense is very bend, don't break. Because there are a couple times Perkins for the, the Rams, who is a third-string quarterback, like going to be a classic line from Major League, going to be bagging – this guy's going to be bagging groceries in two weeks. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. But he had a couple decent drives. The defense was able to weather the storm and then kind of come back and make big plays when they needed to and force field goals. That's, that's what the Broncos' defense – that's the same thing that they did in 2015 because remember that Vikings game early on in the season that came down to a defensive stop if they can put themselves in games where it comes down to a defensive stop that's putting yourself in the best position to win that's hedging your bets that's doing everything that you can because now they're I agree with you that they're in a good enough place and all the positions around the quarterback which is still the most important position that as long as you don't give them if every possession ends in a kick you should be in every single game if you have no possessions that don't end in some sort of a kick, you should be in every single game. But I think the Broncos are in a lot better place than I was expecting them to be. Uh, and speaking of Super Bowl 50, the guy that I think probably you could basically say that is the death of the career we're about to talk about, Super Cam Newton cut this morning by the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is given the keys to the offense. Another the Frumpy King rises again. 
the Patriots are going with Mac Jones as their starting quarterback, but I, I guess I, I don't I I don't understand why they don't why they didn't keep him. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like I I look Cam Newton is far washed. There's no doubt he's washed, and it was all on the Broncos. His career, he was literally the face of the league. He was going to be the next star of the league, not Patrick Mahomes or Patrick Mahomes was in the league, but it was it was going to be Cam Newton's league, and then Von Miller happened to and ended his career basically. But I don't understand why you don't keep him on the roster. You, you Mac Jones gets hurt. Well, here we go. Brian Hoyer <laughs> coming into the football game, year freaking 25 as the backup quarterback. He, he's the Josh McCown of this team. He just always finds his way on a roster as a backup quarterback. Job. It's always the Patriots, though. He like, I don't know. Belichick loves him. Belichick no one else, or, yeah. No one else around the league picks up except the Browns that one year because he was a starter, I think, for Cleveland or something. But mm. still, like, like I, I. He was more valuable on your team than he is not. Let's put it that way. You could have got something for him. They probably yeah. did try to get something for him. Obviously, Belichick, the, the COVID stuff that, that, that happened last week where he had to miss five days of practice didn't sit well, Belichick. That's all that told me. Yeah, and he already, I think that coupled with the fact that he missed games for COVID last season, so he's not learning from his mistakes. That's Belichick gives you one chance to make up for your mistakes. So, look, Mac Jones, there was no doubt that he was going to be a starter at some point. He's going to have some bumps in the road. But the crazy thing is here, like, we talk about that Alabama football team. All three of those quarterbacks in that 2018 national championship room are, are starters right now. And you could argue and say Mac Jones. Yeah, well, they should. Uh, I mean, look, each one is, is – there's on their, the backups. On their respective teams, yeah, respect they are the team, starters. Yeah. But yes, I'm saying yes. that they wouldn't – they're not, like, bona fide starters wherever they go. It's there's certain situations that they're in. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. But still, the, the, these – all three of them – and Mac Jones is the guy that I'm looking at, and I'm like, this guy I think could be the best one. I'm serious. Jalen Hurst, they're already trying to trade for Deshaun Watson over there. They already want Jalen gone. Tua, they don't know what they're going to do. They're also into Deshaun Watson's sweepstakes. Like the, those are the two teams that are, are opting for him, and then here we have Mac Jones, who was gifted the reins to the team right away, and everything coming out of training camp too, saying that he fires the teams up, that he talks shit like Brady did, and the whole five nine. Why not give it to the kid? Because he has played in the quote unquote system of Belichick when he was with Saban, even though it's not the same, but it is basically the same, and the team is just going to be. It's going to be interesting because he has weapons, but it's not as good of weapons as he had in college. That's the only problem. Yeah, in the conversation, I mean, we had a conversation with Charlie that we ended up not releasing, but he said, we asked him point blank, what's the difference between Mac Jones and some of the other quarterbacks? He's like, it's not talent. It's not anything like that, but the guys love to play for him, and you saw that in the way that he handled himself last season. And, you know, he he had the numbers to be in the Heisman conversation. I'd say that he probably showed enough. And, and I put in my notes for for the show today, Belichick and the Patriots is not an organization that the media is going to bully to play somebody. Like Belichick wouldn't have made this decision, give him the starting position, and then cut Cam Newton if he wasn't 100% certain. This isn't just a gut feeling for him. This is, okay, I've made the decision. Mac is going to be the starting quarterback, and we're going to see what we can do moving forward with him. And that's – we're on to the next thing. And he cut off all distractions. There's no – like – 
obviously Cam Newton's not going to do what Drew Locke did after he loses the starting position and come out and have that press conference. He's going to be upset, but Belichick cut that off now and we'll see. I think the kid, the good thing about Mac Jones is that he doesn't necessarily look like he understands he shouldn't be there. He, he looks like a, a soccer dad who like stumbled across the, the wrong sideline and then he's coming out there and he's like, I don't even know that I'm not that talented. I don't even know that I'm not supposed to be here. And those guys are the most dangerous guys. I think that Mac Jones is in a very interesting position in a position that we could see him be very, a lot more successful than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to struggle. Belichick would have had to change the offense for Cam to be successful. He could run the same offense and same same technicality scheme he did for 15 years with Tom Brady as he can Mac Jones because it's the exact same play style. All you got to do is just change the players out, and then he can do exactly what he's been doing and get his teams back to Super Bowls. Uh, the other side of this, Cam Newton. What, what happens with Cam Newton? Now, I mean, I think that you're probably right. I think the Patriots probably looked for a deal, but I don't know of a team that would take – honestly, I think teams would probably take Colin Kaepernick in their quarterback room before they would take Cam Newton just because we know the level of play Cam's going to be at, and it's not where it used to be. So he's he's not worth picking up right now because it just causes more of a headache than it's worth. Let's just pray he doesn't end up here in Denver because that would be a, a absolute nightmare. I think I think having Cam Newton on this team is the wrong way to go. Why the hell would you even contemplate that? Um, I think teams like honestly, a team that that popped in my head. What? Well, why not Green Bay? Green Green Bay. You can bring in Cam Newton as the backup, and then that's the guy that's going to be the quarterback next year, because Jordan Love does not ready. He is not ready at all. He looks terrible, and Cam Newton. He oh man, it's honestly. I would I wouldn't even mind seeing him go back to Carolina because Carolina still doesn't know what they're doing with their quarterback situation. Like the, what about like Dallas? Dallas, if if they replace Dak with him, I will happily welcome Dak to Denver, Colorado. I will walk him off the plane and into the Broncos facility there in Dove Valley. I will happily yeah. do that because Dak Prescott is that special of a talent, and he is just getting fucked over because the Cowboys fans are that ruthless. Because Jerry Jones doesn't like to wait around. He wants to win now. And Dak Prescott is the right talent. He was a top five quarterback in the league last year before he got hurt. He was putting up astronomical numbers. That defense was just horrendous. Like it was league just, passing four, four weeks after he broke his leg. Like, like, like the dude is that good. I hope they bring in, bring in Cam. And I hope they give him the job because I would love Dak here, here in Denver. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just weird. I, Cam is a quarterback where you have to have the accuracy. We are seeing good quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, the likes of Kyler Murray, who can run like Cam, but you don't need a hard runner. You know what I mean? You need an elusive quarterback. You don't need a quarterback that's going to lower his shoulder into the linebacker like Cam would. And and honestly, it's showing how that wasn't sustainable. And oh man, I, I just I think his inaccuracy is just is just is just not going to get him a, a starting job anymore. I think he he was a great quarterback way back. I mean, not that long ago, not way back, but not that long ago. Years. But yeah, but he it's going to be slim pickings, let's put it that way. Because teams would rather just swing and miss on a rookie quarterback right now than go back to Cam Newton, and I don't blame them. 
Yeah, I think the comparison I'd give him is like a Devin Dubnik, where like you can bring him in for relief and you know he'll be able to play, but his skill set doesn't warrant. He's not a starter anywhere that he goes. Yeah, I don't think if to, there's a team that he shows up to and he's the starter right away. You have to create a whole offensive scheme. Cam Newton is not the type of quarterback you're going to be able to plug plug and play into certain schemes. Why the Why are the Patriots going Mac Jones? Because Belichick can run the offense he wants to run. He has to create basically a new playbook for Cam, and that wasn't a bad thing. But you saw what they did last year; they weren't winning football games. So that's just that's that's the problem. The Cam is going to have to going to have to find a scheme where he's going to going to have to. You're gonna have to find a, a place like maybe a Carolina or like maybe a um, Aussie in Baltimore where they could use him in, in, in goal line situations or whatever because I think that's where his career has gone to. Uh, other news, right, coming out of camp, just wanted to give a shout-out to Kendrick Green, a former guest of the podcast. He, you go back and check out that interview with him uh, from a few weeks ago, but he did officially make the 53-man roster. He'll be – playing for the Steelers this upcoming season. So shout out Kendrick, follow him at the fridge, the underscore fridge 53. Um, And now we are going into the AFC and NFC South predictions. Um, And we'll start with the AFC South. These two are kind of easy divisions. They're pretty top heavy, I think, but uh, I'll just go off my one through four. I have Tennessee finishing one, Indianapolis finishing two, Jacksonville three, and Houston at number four. Uh, what do you think about this AFC South division? Where where are you kind of seeing them go from here? The only two I would swap maybe, but I have the same as that top four. Don't get me wrong. I think Jacksonville and Houston could swap by the end of the year because there's rumors that Sean Watson is still going to be traded. I don't know why a team would trade for him, but if they trade him to Miami, they could easily get two in return. And I think Houston maybe what's uh, what's painful because I, I, both Jacksonville and Houston are so bad. Both those teams are such trash. It's 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 it, it, it's like picking two the two Chihuahuas in, in in the pit bull ring, and like man, this one looks a little bit tougher than that one. So I guess I'll take this one to last the longest. <laughs> like like I, I I think I'm gonna go same way, pick Jacksonville, but don't. Sleep on Houston to not be the worst team in the league. Wow, that's a really weird to say. Weird, weird way to say that. Don't sleep on Houston to not be the worst team in the league if they find an idiotic suitor for Deshaun Watson. Let's put it that way. Because because Jaguars are are not talented either. Oh my God, their defense is terrible. The, their offense too. Without Etienne, James Robinson is the only bright spot he's gonna they're gonna have. Their offensive line is trash. Their defense is probably the worst in the league. And and uh, I just oh, both these and Houston. Like, uh, Houston is Houston's gonna. He, they're Houston probably will, pick one next season. Houston would have an argument for number two if Deshaun Watson was their quarterback because he's, he is that much of an X factor, but he doesn't – because he likes to having massages so so often, um, they're going to be the worst team in the league. I, yeah, but don't get me wrong. That, that's what, that, those are the number one seed and the number two seed in the 2023 20, NFL draft with the first pick, the Houston Texans pick, and with the second pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars pick, because those that's far and away the worst two teams. Indianapolis is just lucky that that, that they can fight for a playoff spot because the other two teams are ass. And Tennessee walks away with this. 
I think that it, it's got to be Tennessee's division to walk away with. If they don't take it this season, then they're never going to be able to get over that hump. And that's kind of where I see Tennessee going and, and Indianapolis. I think depending on their quarterback situation, just because I don't think that they're any better than what they had with Phil Rivers last year, I'm not going to put them at number one. And Tennessee did everything that they could to move themselves up. Bringing in Julio Jones was big for them. Now they have Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. They lost both, They lost two critical type pieces at tight end, so that's not good anyways, but they should be able to make up for it. Hopefully they got to figure out their defense too, but I would say that if Jacksonville doesn't win it this season, they're probably never winning a division title. You mean, you mean Tennessee, but yeah. Tennessee, well, Tennessee. Tennessee, they won the division last year or two years ago, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they won it last year, but it was uh, – they won it last year and then lost in the first round of the playoffs. The, the, the one thing Colts fans are hanging on to is the fact that Andrew Luck was throwing footballs in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> That's That was the highlight of the Colts season right there. No offense, Colts Don't fans. bring up the, another Colts quarterback transitioning I'm just, to Colorado. I'm just, I'm just saying, and, um, I would love Andrew Luck too here in Denver. The fact he was here in Colorado, also apparently the fact that he uh, – asked if the team wanted help he didn't know anyone here in colorado apparently he was hiking and they saw he saw them practicing and he was like man do you guys want me to come out to practice in colorado by the way in here colorado i mean all i'm saying is it's a little he's got an itch for football he does he's got an itch and all it, all all that matters and andrew luck is 31 years old i i read that somewhere and i was like holy fuck he could play another seven years he's only played six like, seasons like, 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 just, oh, man, I would love Andrew Luck. That would, that would be, Colts fans, I think, would be more pissed about the about the Andrew Luck situation than they were about Peyton. Like, I think that yeah. would be, that would be the nail in the coffin. I am striking against this team. Take them back to Baltimore. Like, they, like, <laughs> they would absolutely, they would want, they would call for Roger Goodell to do something to Denver because that would be John Elway with that same organization. Highway robbery. Peyton Manning, oh and God. then you got Andrew, Andrew Luck coming out of retirement. Oh, mm. I hope it happens. Would, it could that would be, make this season very interesting. Andrew Luck would be honestly such a great. I would love Andrew Luck here in Denver. I think we can. That's we're a better team with Andrew Luck than we are obviously with Charlie Bridgewater. Andrew Luck in his prime was was beating some good teams with a bad Colts roster. Like some like you gotta remember their offense line was beat ass. the Broncos in the playoffs one year. Yeah, like like that team was good. Like like they they weren't bad. So that's all I'm saying. I, I wouldn't mind Andrew Luck here and there. Like I'm saying, I have I have already said. I think we are. What are we? Twenty minutes through, thirty minutes in. I've already said four different quarterbacks. About you represent year. the Broncos fan base well. <laughs> Any quarterback that's available. Yes, thank you. I'll take him. I'll take a look at him. I am, I'll kick the I am the Miami Heat of, of NBA Twitter. How they how they, they they put every single player in humankind in a Heat jersey. They photo edit. I I in my mind think about every single quarterback situation to bring here to Denver. If they don't sign this guy, he has a sandwich on Tuesday and then comes into the office late on Wednesday. There's a good chance that they could sign this new quarterback. I'll just I'll kick the tires on him. That's is the Broncos fan base in a nutshell. Um, we both have Tennessee winning the AFC South. NFC South, it'll be interesting. I think it's a fairly similar situation. Um, but my, the way I see it going, I have Tampa finishing one, 
New Orleans two, Carolina three, and Atlanta being the bottom. I think Atlanta is another team you could throw in there as a possible number one overall pick because the Falcons are in the middle of a rebuild and nobody told them. Like, they should take them out to the shed and just take care of what's going on because seeing them limp along like this is just – it's not not a good look. One, one, I, so I have the division the same way. But one of the things that I'm looking forward to this division a lot, I think the Saints could be a bottom two team in this division. Hmm. I think Carolina, if if – Wow, I can't. You're picking Darnold over Winston? I, 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 no, uh, yeah, I forgot. It's Jameis. It's not Taysom. Maybe I am taking. I thought it was Taysom Hill starting, but I, I just remember that's Jameis. So I am going to take the Saints as number two. But if Jameis gets hurt for whatever reason, they have to go to Taysom Hill. I think the Saints team is not very good. Legit, Michael Thomas. They don't have any. They don't have any weapons. No. I, I legit. Michael Thomas is out for half the season. I can't name another receiver on the roster. It's like some Can backup you? from Ohio State. I don't yeah. know his name, but I know that he's fast. That's all. That's all I got. Yeah. And Alvin Kamara. Yeah, yeah Kamara. I mean, oh yeah, Kamara. I can't believe I fucked that up. But Kamara, those hand the ball off constantly. But I can't name another receiver or their tight end situation. Like I. No, it was dude, Jared like, Cook. Now I don't even know. I don't don't like, know if he's still there. It's Tampa all the way in this division. It is, Tampa may go. Eight and zero this division. I think I think there's there's a prop bet out there for that. Take Tampa Bay to go eight and zero in this division because I think they roll through every single one of these teams. Um, I just oh man, Carolina with Run CMC coming back, I think that will take the pressure a lot off Darnold. And I think because uh, I think New Orleans can lose two games to to Carolina and Atlanta combined. I think they could very easily lose a game to each one of those. Cuz I cuz I don't think they're strong enough mind-wise right now and I think Carolina if they get hot one week in Atlanta, if Kyle Pitts has has the, the the week that everyone thinks he's going to have throughout the whole season, then he could torch the Saints defense for one year for one game. So that's why I don't think the wild card position is going to be taken from this division. I think it's going to be Tampa and that's it. Yeah, I don't see them having more than one team in the playoffs either. I, the only problem I see with Carolina is their roster is being held together with chewing gum and, and duct tape right now. And I don't know if you can get – They got a good coach. Matt Rule yeah, is a great coach. I like coach. Matt That's Rule. They, they have like – they have decent pieces. They have a, the cornerstone running back. They need help off on offensive line badly, and they need help on defense. I, unfortunately, I mean, good for Luke Keekley getting out before his brain was total mush, but the way that he ended up retiring left them in a hole they haven't been able to climb out of. The Carolina is still trying to figure out their two main identities, and we saw last year, if CMC goes down, that's it. Oh, they don't got, they don't got anything else. Like, that's all we brought. You brought one, one weapon to the fight. Um, but no, I think Tampa is a, sh- a lock for the postseason this year, possibly a one seed in the NFC. And then- so, someone bet a thousand dollars on the bet on the on the Bucks go seventeen zero. I saw it was like a, I think it's a uh, um, hundred fifty thousand dollar payoff or something stupid like that. And I was like, oh my god, this guy's. I don't know if I take that go seventeen. Cor- yeah, you paint yourself into a corner when you go seventeen and zero. I'd say yeah, that. Maybe- I- I think there's a good chance they go eight zero in the division. I don't know about seventeen and zero throughout the whole season because teams lose every now and then, or they throw games like the Colts and Saints did. What was it, two thousand nine, two thousand eight? Yeah, or the Eagles throwing the Week seventeen game last year. That's also yeah, very an true. Also true. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's going to bring us. We have Tampa winning the NFC South. So now we've gone through and picked our 
predicted our standings for each division. Um, so we'll see. We're going to start our pick next week. Once week one's getting underway, we'll we'll have Thursday night football on the second between the Cowboys and Tampa Bay. We'll get to see Tom Brady and the Bucks. see if they can repeat back in 2021. But now we, we got to look at some baseball. We got a 30 day March currently to the postseason all the way through September. And then we got the, the postseason baseball in October. So we're going to look at the standing so far and see where the teams are sitting uh, in all the divisions and also look at the wild card. Just I know we don't pay a lot of attention to baseball, but playoff baseball is exciting to watch at least. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Who, the World Series. The World, yeah. the World, the World Series and the wild card games. The wild the card wild, games are, are the wild card games are nuts. Yeah, I think that's interesting. We'll start in the American League. Tampa Bay has a seven-game lead on the division over the Yankees. The Yankees uh, will come up again later on in the standings, but Tampa is followed up a really strong pandemic season with another pretty good run right now. They're the hottest team in baseball. I'll didn't talk about the, them. Didn't the Yankees win 13 in a row? And how are they still seven back? The, they, uh, the, the that's Tampa? how far they started back. They like, were, like, what the they fuck? They got off. Remember, they were the – I the Rockies and the Yankees at one point were the worst team in both of their leagues. It was the Yankees' worst team in the American League, Rockies' worst team in the National League. So that's how far the Yankees have climbed themselves out of a hole. But no, Tampa Bay, they were they were focused right from the start, and they're in the same kind of the same kind of zone that they were in last season. I don't see anybody touching them. They have a plus one seventy one run differential, so they dominate people, and they're nine and one. They just won, they won again tonight, so they're on a nine-game winning streak. I'll talk about the Tampa Bay Rays a little bit more in this episode in one of our other segments. But Tampa's got the East pretty much locked down. The Central, Chicago, the White Sox have a 10-game lead over the Indians. Everybody else in the Central sucks. Well, uh, that division is terrible. Yeah, the Indians are second in the division, and they're just 500. Everybody else is below 500. I'm pretty sure the Rockies would be like three games back of that division or something stupid. Yeah, the Rockies would. The Rockies only have four less wins than the Indians right now. The Rockies have 60. The Indians have 64. So Chicago's got the East pretty much sewn up. Uh, the West, Houston has a five-and-a-half game lead on the Athletics, but Oakland's making a little bit of a push. That's actually – it doesn't look like too close of a race right now, but the Astros and athletics could be uh, right down the wire. And, and I could see the athletics maybe sneaking away the division and given the putting Houston in the position where they have to play in the wild card game. Yeah, which... Oakland, Oakland always, for some reason, just, just finds a way to get in the, in the playoff picture. Mm-hmm. Every, every year we're like, man, is it Oakland's year? Are they good this year or are they, are they trash this year? And you're like, well, come come uh, August and September, you're like, man, the athletics are pretty good again this year. And yeah. but I, th- I think that I think that I think the athletics have one of the best managers in baseball. I think it's Bob Melvin, I'm pretty sure his name. And and the way he constructs that team, him and the um, um, Tampa Bay manager, as much shit as he gets for doing the Blake Snell thing, he he gets t- that that team has been built oh, not overnight. They, that team has been built the right way and the athletics are always in the picture same with Tampa for whatever reason and both those teams are playing terrible stadiums the freaking athletics play in the Raiders old stadium the athletics are in the same boat as the Coyotes now where they have to go find a new stadium to play it and then Tampa Bay who is the number one team in baseball I'm pretty sure they they can't even get 5,000 fans to a game 5,000 by the way that that the fact like 
that baseball games on average on a freaking Wednesday night is like still fifteen to twenty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Five thousand? Are you kidding me? God. Baseball fans terrible. know that when somebody asks you if the if the athletics are good, you got to go. It depends on how you watch baseball because they're at a plus sixty seven run differential. Yet they are. I would say they're even if they are a wild card team, they're a liable club to make a, a little bit of a run. Uh, and then, like I said, for the wild card, the Yankees lead that by two games, and I believe the next team behind them is the Athletics. Uh, I'm going to pull up the wild and, card. And, and with baseball, it's one game wild card, right? And then that winner plays on the <clears throat> seed, right? Yeah, the wild card is pretty much, uh, if you're familiar with wrestling or like a 16 a tournament where it's double-sided, uh, it's like a pigtail match to get onto the actual bracket to get through into the world series. So the wild card is just a one game playoff. Yeah, I went to that wild card game. Cause I'm here in Arizona this week. I went to that wild card game where the Rockies lost the D backs um, way back when that game was so exciting, except Archie Bradley hitting a fucking triple on us. I remember that that was heartbreaking. All right. Moving on to the NL side, the NL East, the Braves have a three and a half game lead over the Phillies, but that's uh, the similar to the central, nobody else is really great in the AL or the hey, NL East. The Phillies Bar- are Bryce Harper looks behind. good, bro. Bryce Harper uh, should have been an All Star. The dude rakes right now. He is like the best highest player in baseball. I know you hate Bryce Harper. In, does he? Do you think he remembers he plays in Philadelphia? Right, not, not well, Washington anymore. Like, like, like the the guy like has been has actually been playing really well. He's in the MVP conversation right now because obviously Tatis has been injured, Degrom's injured, and the NL it's basically wide open for the for the MVP race. I mean, everyone thinks it's going to be Tatis, but you don't know. And he's played really well. Yeah, the Phillies are in a good spot. They're three games back in the uh, on the Braves right now as it sits. They just won tonight. Uh, in the Central, Milwaukee has a nine and a half game lead over the Reds. Uh, they're I, I don't know how they keep winning, but they continue to win. And they're winning without their best players playing very well. They have they have great pitching. That's yeah. that's all you need to talk about. The the the, the pitching in, in Milwaukee is different. Let's just say that. That's all they that's all they that they don't score a lot, but they hold team they win games ugly. 2-0, 3-0, like like 2-1, like they win stupid games like that. They got a plus one twenty one run differential. So that that does speak to the pitching staff just being able to shut people down. Uh, for the NL West, the Giants have a one-and-a-half game lead on the Dodgers, and then the Padres are 14-and-a-half back from there. So the two teams that people thought were going to be competing for the NL West are not. The Giants have the lead in that division right now, and then obviously the, the leader for the NL wild card are the Dodgers. They have a 12-and-a-half game lead. So Dodgers have their playoff position locked up no matter what, and then yeah. everybody else is, is kind of just there. The one interesting thing that because everyone's like it's the Padres, Padres and Reds right now. I think the Phillies are the three teams that are fighting for that last wild card spot, and it's basically who, what team wants it more, because all three teams, the fucking Rockies, as, as shitty as we are, we swept the Padres. The Padres don't want to play. Obviously, they don't know what their identity is. They have a damn good roster. That is a World Series type roster. I said it before the season started when we actually did a, a, a prediction for the Padres. I was like, Padres are going to be good because this team is damn talented. And they don't know how to win baseball games. They, there's no sense of urgency. There's zero. The Reds have urgency. Castellanos, man, all, all Castellanos needs is a world tragedy to happen. And the guy's going to send you deep 450. And, and the Phillies have the hottest guy in baseball right now, Bryce Harper. Like, 
it's the, the, the Padres don't want it right now. I, I think it's going to be between the Reds and Phillies, honestly, for this last wild card spot. But man, the Dodgers look. It this it shows more to how good the Giants have been than the Dodgers not winning the division. Like it, like the Dodgers, it's the first time in like. I mean, it's, the season's not over. It's only one and a half games. But it's, I think it's the first time, I think, 10 seasons or something stupid like that. Maybe it's less than 10 that the Dodgers didn't win the divisions. So it's, it's, it's going to be a wild one. But, man, I, the Padres are the biggest head scratch. I'm going to go ahead and break your heart real quick. You know, the other team that's competing for that wild card spot in the National League, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are also two and a half games back. They're not going to make it. I'll tell you that. Their pitching staff fucking sucks. That, that, that yeah. team is that, that, that team is another huge disappointment. How do you trade for the best third base in baseball and get worse? They legit are worse than they were last year. Like, like they, they are not – no. Cardinals fans, y'all got worse. Y'all are just hoping that Yadier Molina goes out on top next year because you don't got a chance this year. Poor Nolan leaves one organization and then goes to another one that doesn't even make the playoffs either. I, I Bench warmers, you knew I had to get him at least one chance to crap all over the Cardinals organization for that Arenado trade. Uh, but that's going to be – our baseball talk for today's episode. We'll be paying attention to the playoffs as teams can continue to progress. We're not going to be talking about it each week, but we'll keep you guys updated on who's going where. And obviously the world series is going to be a big topic of discussion when it does happen. We're going to get into a break here. And then when we come back, we'll have our segments beats of the week, what's brewing splinters on the pine, everything like that here on the far end of the bench podcast with Jimmy Plato and Nico Bryant. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Plato and Nico Bryant. Before we get back into uh, talking about sports for the week, I wanted to give a shout-out because we're getting into most dominant team of the week. Give a shout-out to the Box State Bruins, the fourth-grade team that I helped coach and the offensive line and defensive line coach for them. We had our first win Saturday, 46-6, to had our Mercy Rule shutout uh, – or not shutout, Mercy Rule of Bear Creek. And uh, we're going to be working with them so – Right now we're playing in our just AYL league. We're going to be playing in the NYFC tournament, which if you've listened to this show for a long time, Nico and I have told some stories about playing in that tournament out in Las Vegas. Uh, we are fundraising, so we're going to be putting the link in our link tree to donate. Uh, there's also a way if you have a King Supers, uh, if you're already doing King Supers rewards for another um, organization, if you're wanting to switch over to the Box State Bruins, you can. But it's boxstatebruins.com is where you can go, and then there's a donate button to click on there. But we'll have the the link posted in our link tree so you can get there quickly. And then if you have time, go over to boxstatebruins.com and, and help out. Because uh, if we the more money we raise, the more fun we'll be able to show the kids also in Vegas. It's not just going to be a football trip. Then we'll be able to take them to a show and, and a dinner and everything like that. So uh, if you can, if you have the time, be sure to donate there. But Box State Bruins, 1-0. Be sure to keep you guys updated because those kids are a lot of fun to watch. And they'll be representing Colorado come November around uh, Thanksgiving time out in Las Vegas. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, you know, you, we won't be taking them to any uh, Thunder Down Under, but maybe we'll let them go take them to a, a, the, the nice the round table show. That's yeah, I was going to say, we went to the Excalibur, the Knights of the Round Table, where we had turkey legs and mead. That was a that was an interesting. Let's, show let's just let's just say at our age, Jimmy and I go for gambling, and we go we go to the uh, the the comedy shows and the, the stupid shows. And that's yeah. what Vegas is for. Uh, if now, you're if if you are old enough to partake, I'll say MGM. Had, if you're a fan of country music, they got a great country bar with live music. Losers, 
uh, I saw Warren Garrett, which Warren Garrett's going to be a name. No free shout outs, but shout out Warren Garrett. He's going to he's got something in the works that's going to be really cool for the podcast. But I'll say losers is where I'm probably going to be when the kids are asleep and the coaches have a little bit of time to roam. I'm going to be posting up at uh, losers, most likely listening to some country music. For sure, for sure. All right, so for my most hours of the week, I had to pick Illinois. I, I had to. It, it was salt in the womb. Um, shout out Kendrick Green's uh, old school in Illinois and Bo Pelini. But, man, best team in the country, best record in football, baby. Number one team in, the, in, in college football. We, they want Bama, right? Give them Bama. Bama State uh, probably, but give them Bama. <laughs> Bama doesn't even know Illinois exists. Bama's like, what? Where's What is it, Illinois? Where, what, where is that state? <laughs> That's up there somewhere. Is it right? Illinois? 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 I don't know. Well, We'll go up there and beat the crap out of them. Uh, my real most dominant team of the week are the Tampa Bay Rays. Like I said, they're on a, a they are now on a nine-game winning streak, and they are ten and zero in their last ten games. They haven't won in a little bit over a week and a, or haven't lost in over a week and a half. So the Tampa Bay Rays are on an absolute heater right now. And my bench warm of the week are my Cincinnati Bengals and their fans. Uh, the game sat Sunday was not great. I didn't get to watch it because Sunday ticket hasn't started yet, but I was checking updates on my phone, and we were winning. We were winning. We were winning. It was the fourth quarter, 10 minutes left in the game. We had a 12-point lead, and guess what? At five minutes we left, we had, a, we had a – No, no, we didn't, but we had a four-point lead at five minutes left, and then they ended up scoring with, like, two minutes left, and, and they, had to, we ha- they had to score a touchdown to take the lead. All we had to do was hold him to a field goal, and we couldn't do it. Did, did, did they? Didn't they? I thought it was like a minute thirty left. It was a fourth down, and yeah. they threw it up in the end zone. They caught it, so yeah. it was a hell of a uh-huh. They lost. It was similar. In, I, was, I remember in pre-season watching, football. Yeah, one one week last year, it, CBS's game ended, and they got the flip to the end of the Browns Bengals game. And it was the one where Donovan Peoples Jones had the toe tap in the corner of the end zone. I was like, "Are you, are you fucking kidding me? I finally get to see them play, and I have to watch my heart get ripped out on TV. Are you kidding me?" Yeah. So, uh, bench warmers of the week: Bengals and our fans. We're in for a long hey, six months. Don't don't say our because I'm not a part of that. I'm saying I don't claim. I, I don't have for you the collective we in my head. <laughs> All the fans season. that know all the fans that know how to spell Cincinnati correctly. It's not many of us. It's not many of us. <laughs> my my bench of the week. It is the my oh man, I want to say my second favorite tennis tournament of the year is this week and next week. Obviously, the US, U.S. Open has been going on. You'll hear about some of my beats of the week later on for the U.S. Open. But my bench of the week is freaking City. Pass. This 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 Greek guy took a 10-minute bathroom break because he was losing by two sets to Andy Murray. And look, and look, it, Andy Murray is was one of my favorites. It was Roger and it was Andy Murray. Andy Murray is way past his prime. The dude's like 38 years old. And he is unranked. And Sissy Poss, I'm pretty sure, is the third ranked guy in, in, in all of tennis right now. And he was losing to Andy Murray in the first round. And basically he there's there's this rule, it's, it's a very vague rule in tennis that each player gets two bathroom breaks if it goes five sets because it's a four hour match, and, and and they allow two bathroom breaks, 
And but you're not allowed to check your phone because you can't be coached. That's the thing that many people don't know about Thomas. The player cannot can never be coached physically by a coach. So they can't talk to a coach, they can't whatever. They gotta go and take a shit or change their shorts and come back. And Cincy Pass took 10 minutes. And if you're Andy Murray, who's I think right now 38 years old, 10 minutes in the middle of a match, that and a guy like his at his age, you're you're done for. Your your energy's gone. That's that that does it for you. And the guy got a warning, and Andrew Murray is a is a brilliant man. He after the match, he he basically came out and said he's like, I prepared for that. That's how bad this has gotten with this guy. This guy is the he's good enough to not have to do that, but he was about to be embarrassed in the first round of the U.S. Open to a legend in Andy Murray, and he's decided, you know what, I'm gonna go take a nice ten minute break. That's got to be changed. And since he passed, I hope the guy loses quickly because I love me seeing Andy Murray. But an eight minute bathroom break, ten minute bathroom break, it takes two minutes, five minutes. You can wash your hands quicker than that. Like I and and sometimes they let them change their shorts or whatever for whatever reason. It should take less than five minutes. And the fact they did that to beat a guy who's thirty eight years old, I hope he gets bounced the next round. Something my dad always used to tell me, if you shake it more than twice, it means you're playing with it. And uh, 10 minutes, I don't even know what you could do in there in 10 minutes. Andy Murray was just sitting on the court. And everyone was like, where the hell did he go? Like, legit. Like, everyone yeah. was like, I, I, because I, I was watching it because it was a good five-set match. And I was I was like, what in the world? Where? What? what, what what's going on? And I think everyone in the stands, and Andy Murray was like, this is taking too much. He, 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 and it was ridiculous that you have to do that. To be a 38-year-old, in my opinion. And Andy Murray's a legend of the game, but, like, to do that, that's just unheard of, uncalled for. Shout out the bathroom at the U.S. Open. Uh, apparently, you know, maybe they have those Japanese toilets that they were talking about in the Olympics. Maybe that's why. It's like, I don't want to get off. There's too many cool settings. Um, <clears throat> now, moving on from Benchwarmer of the Week, let's get into what's brewing, presented by our friends at the High Alpine Brewing Company. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and Instagram at High Alpine Brew. Um, I'm, I'll start this one because, uh, it's interesting. I was listening to last week's episode of busting with the boys and they had the open door skies on. It was cool. I finally got a little bit more background on the NIL deal, but I saw this on ESPN. We have our first major domino for the NIL to fall. Uh, so Quinn Ewers, do you know who, did you know about Quinn Ewers? The other story about him? I did see that. Yeah. So Quinn Ewers, he decided to completely skip his senior year of high school once the NIL was allowed. He, he's he was, the guy with the mullet too, right? And yeah. The, the, the whole, yeah. He, so he was the number one ranked prospect in 2022. He's playing high school football in Texas. Uh, the NIL does apply to high school athletes as well, but Texas is not allowing for it to go. That's one of the states, their state legislature is blocking it. He decides then he's going to skip his senior year of high school, enroll early at Ohio State, and he just cashed in on a $1.4 million endorsement deal with GT Sports Marketing that, uh, like, I, it's oh my God. three years, $1.4 million. All he has to do for it is sign a few autographs for the brand. But this is a kid who was going going to be going into a senior season of high school football, and now he's at Ohio State, 17 years old. He's going to be a millionaire by the time he's – before he even plays a single game. This I, is, I think, this is this crazy. Is, this is nuts to me. First of all, I think the cutoff should be high school. They, they, I think it should be illegal. That's 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 the worst thing. Texas needs to, the state legislature needs to crack down on that. Um, but like, one point four million. That's 
that sets his family up for years. And the guy hasn't played one snap of college football. I understand if you're Bryce Young and you're the quarterback of Alabama and you're signing autographs. I understand that. The guy hasn't played one snap of college football and he's at the school in $1.4 million. Imagine the recruiting this does for Ohio State. Oh my God. If you look at this kid, he hasn't even took the field. Like he barely played in the spring game and he's going to be making over a million dollars on his endorsement deal. I'm going to, if I'm a five-star recruit, I'm living in Texas or wherever I'm at. I'm like, I'm going to Ohio state. I'm going to go make me a bag before I even get on the field. Honestly, I I'm rooting against the guy. I I hope that he runs away with the bag. Screw the agency that gave him 1.4 million. Yeah. That was the most ha- – it's not even on the kid. I would have fully accepted that money, too, if I was there. It's kind of on, put- on the kid because he has an agency. He's he's milking this shit. He's like – he's <laughs> the reason why nobody wanted this to happen. Like, my dad, your dad's generation didn't want this to happen for this exact reason. For quite well, I, I, I mean, I get that. But if a dude – if someone says, says I'm going to give you $1.4 million – and you're a high school football star, I'm taking that money. There's there's zero question about that. It's on the agency. Because the the kid can suck for all he matters. He can be complete ass. And and he can be a uh, Tate Martell of sorts. Imagine how much money Tate Martell would have gotten coming out of high school Mm -hmm. after QB1 and all that. The dude doesn't win the job at Ohio State, doesn't win the job at – Miami. Miami, like, like what? Like, I hope it's. I hope the kid gets the bag and never plays it down Ohio State. I know that's terrible to say, but but I hope he gets the bag and just done for. It. And the agency is in debt for a long time because that's just idiotic move on him. The kid is a genius for marketing himself and to a point where he can get one point four million dollars. But that's just all. That's just ridiculous. It makes, I mean, it makes, it skews the market completely. It's not something, listening to the Open Doors guys and then seeing this story, I was like, that's not, the Open Doors guys, they actually laid out the benefits. Like, I I knew that there were benefits to the NIL being signed. I just didn't know enough about it and didn't have it explained to me in a way that I could really understand. But now having that knowledge, it makes sense. And then seeing this, I'm like, this is going to fucking, this is exactly why those old fuddy-duddies were able to keep it this way for so long. Because they're like, oh, well, then what's the difference? They're not playing for the integrity of the game anymore. And I can see that. This kid is not playing for the integrity of the game. He's got an agent. He's got a brand deal now. He's he's out there looking. He's out there looking to make money. He's not out there looking to make him a better player, get an edu- education. He doesn't give a shit about his education. He skipped a year of school for this shit. There, there's, there's those athletes and there's athletes that that obviously do it the right way that we cannot forget about that's why i'm still so happy about this deal but we all knew there's gonna be repercussions we we all knew it we didn't know what was gonna happen we 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 we, we, now we know it's gonna be the high schoolers leaving high school early and it's gonna be a super conference is forming because that's how teams think that people are gonna get recruits so that's that, that that's that's where we're at with the NIL. Now college football is gonna I don't know about suffer for it, but we all knew something was gonna happen that it would have turned the wrong way because every good thing that happens, especially in college sports in general, there's always a repercussion that comes back and slaps you across the face. All right, what's uh what do you got for what's brewing? My, my what's brewing, so 
Shallow, I want to give a shout out here to Asher Nolting. I played across with him in high school. The man was drafted to the Colorado Mammoth. I know we don't, we don't talk about a whole lot of cross. We talk a little bit here and there about the PLL, but the guy was a T. Wharton um, top 10 finest, which for college football fans is the Heisman Trophy of college lacrosse. And the guy, he got drafted in the second round to the hometown Colorado Mammoth. He played box lacrosse here too. He, um, he, he did, he, 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 he was he was a, one of the founders of of uh, unified box across here, so that's a great thing to see. I, I think there's a better shot he goes and plays in the PLL, because he, there's a good chance he gets drafted there too. I think there's a good chance he could probably end up there, um, but it's still cool to see him getting drafted. Like I said, I played with the kid, and Asher was an absolute stud. The, the guy is unbelievable. Um, He's he's gonna be a stud wherever he goes. Let's put it that way. He was the top guy on our team for for a reason. Yeah, and then speaking of the PLL, we have the semifinals this weekend. This we weekend, might as well yeah, throw it in. Uh, Atlas versus Chaos, and then the other matchup is the Whip Snakes and the Water Dogs. We're a Water Dogs podcast since the Redwoods lost to the Whip Snakes. So, do you think that the Water Dogs are able to get past? As are the Whip Snakes the defending champs? Two time defending champs. Two time. Two time. Champs. And they got Zed Williams and Matt Rambo, who are studs and a great goalie back there, too. Like, this this team is good. I'm, it worries me. They were an underdog through and through, and Water Dogs had a great season out of Connor Kelly. Um, but, uh, if I'm a betting man, I'm almost gonna bet on the on the on the whip snakes because the odds are gonna be favored towards uh, the water dogs, and the that's where you're gonna make your money off of it. But ah uh, man, I, I like the Atlas on the other side because Baptiste is an absolute stud on the faceoff, and Eric Law over there for the Atlas is a stud too. Guy, both both guys who or Eric Law played at Rapid High School, and then Baptiste played at Denver University. Um, so I think it's gonna be Atlas Whip Snakes. I would love to have the Water Dogs in the final, but I just don't know if, if they're ready for that yet. I'm going to be a good AWL, and I'm going to go good dogs, roll water dogs, but I, I, everybody should know my opinion about lacrosse should be uh, taken with about as much consideration as a yeah. five-year-old telling you why the sky is blue because he doesn't fucking – he doesn't have a fucking clue, but he's going to tell you he does. He's going to tell you. So roll dogs, I guess. Roll dogs. Uh, all right. All right, and now uh, we get to move on from that was what's brewing presented by our friends of the High Alpine Brewing Company out in Gunnison, and now we get to go to Splinters on the Pine. What's been getting at us, getting in in our sticking in our craw for the past week? Uh, what I'll let you go first because I started with what's brewing. What what do you got for so, Splinters on the Pine? So this is a little bit of a what's brewing, but at the same time. It's, 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 it's kind of funny, but it's a heartwarming story. Please, everybody, get off my man J.R. Smith's back. The guy is living life. He, he is playing golf. Who's talking at, shit at, about that? Everyone's like, man, Jr. is, JR is uh, he's realizing what is like in the real world, and he shouldn't be playing D1 golf and blah, 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 blah. And, and I think it's bullshit. The guy, if he's good enough to make the team, I am going to throw on fucking golf. I will throw on, I think it's, uh, oh, my God, what's the school name? I think it's North Carolina a and North Carolina like a yep. Yeah, and I'm going to watch the golf beats because I want to watch JR play golf. golf. Fuck yeah, I will because yeah. I love these of JR Smith. Two time NBA champion, by the way. Don't forget, two time NBA champion JR Smith. Uh, I, 
everybody's been shitting on him about i mean not everybody but there's been a majority of people that are like this is a fair and like the dude's going back getting his education and he's, he's not, not taking as, a scholarship from anybody he's not i mean he people well, he technically could be on the college golf team uh, but still the guy is paying his way he's he, he's say, getting yeah. education he's not and, taking money from any of the other members of the team and, and i think it's fantastic like, what he's doing and, and i think like like i said I mean, I'm playing because on Wednesday, I'm playing the TPC Scottsdale with the Waste Management Open. As you're hearing this, I'm probably playing it right now. Um, but, but like, it's it's a great, it's a great, like, golf is one of those sports where it's good to have entertainment. J.R. Smith, man, I love J.R. for everything he did in Denver. Like, that, that is what, that was, I think everyone, every Nuggets fan ever loved J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith was a guy where he did not care. How how bad of a shooting that he was, you knew he was gonna pull up from the logo before it was cool and, and drain one with with a, with a hand in his face. Like Jr. is that cool of a guy and the two time NBA champion. I think it's awesome. People will just need to relax. I I know it's it's weird that he's. 38 years old or something stupid like that and and he's in college and and he's playing golf uh do or uh, i think a d1 a d1 school like but lay off the guy's living life he he's he's going through the same struggles that all of us had i love his twitter he's been like man these fucking exams suck and he was like, like he's tweeting out some funny shit and and but shout out jr i um, people need to get off his back because I will have no JR slander ever on my timeline. No, if you're slandering JR at this, you're just a very unhappy person and you're going after somebody who's making himself happy. Uh, I, I'll make one request on behalf of the bench warmers since you're playing a golf course on Wednesday. Can we get at least one hole where we get the drive, see how see how well the swing has progressed so people can go back and watch the FEOTB invitation? Yeah. yeah. A birthday swing, I maybe we'll be able to do that. But yeah, I, I, it's a super nice course. They don't have the stands up um, like like they would at Waste Management Open. But yeah, I'm super excited to go. My mom and my brother and I are going to one of the most beautiful golf courses in Arizona. So should be a fun time. It's supposed to rain, but it's been 108 degrees here in Arizona all week. So I'm hoping that it's not a, above 100 degrees. Let's put it that way. I can't believe it took us this long to get into the podcast before we wish you a happy birthday because this podcast is dropping on your 24th birthday. Oh, yeah, so, it's, it's Mamba year, baby. It's Mamba yeah. year. Mamba year. Happy birthday, Nico. Um, and now we get to transition. We get to transition now to our fantasy football talk. We did this last week. Uh, I, I forgot. I'm a huge fan of the league, the old show on FXX. I, oh, it's a great league. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great show. Can't get enough of it. So I, I'm rewatching that now that we're talking about fantasy football. Uh, but people enjoyed our running backs and, and quarterbacks. I'm sure people had really big problems. Uh, Jeremy probably lit you up for both of us after we dropped last week's episode because I know that he likes to tell us how dumb we are when we make takes like that. But uh, we're going to move on now to, to different position groups, wide receivers and tight ends. And we'll finish up next week with uh, defenses and, and special teams. But we are, we're going to go receivers first. So my top five, uh, I'll go in descending order. So I'll start with five. I have Justin Jefferson, five, A.J. Brown, four, Stephon Diggs, three, Devontae Adams, two, 
and DeAndre Hopkins one. So what are your top five for wide receivers? My, my top five, I got Justin Jefferson five. I have Stephon Diggs four, and I have Tyree Kill three, DeAndre Hopkins two, Devontae Adams one. My reasoning for behind mine, Tyree Kill is still, still top five receiver. I don't care how shit of a person he is. I don't care how, how much I hate him being on the Chiefs. That dude dropped 60 points for me in a fantasy football week. Last year, if Tyreek Hill is available there for you in the second round, you take him. Let's put it that way. DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins and Tyreek Hill are two guys I switch. I can switch around, but DeHop is the number one option there. And Devontae Adams is the weapon for Aaron Rodgers. Is the weapon, and I think Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to have themselves a um, last dance kind of year. So that's why I'm still riding Devontae Adams as the number one receiver. Um, but yeah, with, with with those three, Diggs and Jefferson are, are interesting to me because Diggs is the option in Buffalo. Like they don't have a whole lot outside of him. And Justin Jefferson, can Kirk Cousins get the ball out to him is a question. And then with, with your list, I didn't have any problems with it. The only problem is AJ Brown with Julio there. How productive is he gonna be? He is I, I would say he's almost a third option still, which is a little bit weird to have we're talking about because he's a great receiver. Don't get me wrong. But him being a third option because Derek Henry's number one, two, and three. And then Julio's up there too. So that's 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 where I'm a little hesitant on AJ Brown. But there's a good receiving core. But I think it's a very important though, receivers, especially though, to get one good guy. You you get one of these top crop of guys, then you're set. Then the then the rest trickle in, but you gotta hit on one guy because if you leave a if you leave receivers until um, cause, 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 you know, people like to draft a running back, two running backs right away. And they like to go quarterback two real quickly. You, you're going to be struggling for, for finding good receivers then the back end, because there's some guys that are, that are hit or miss huge hit or miss guys. Mm-hmm. And with these top five, top six, AJ Brown included, we're talking about, these are guys that are must starts every single week. I think another thing to look at for receivers is who did they who did the team bring in around them? And that's why I have DeAndre Hopkins as my number one because Arizona went out and brought in AJ Green. Now I don't think AJ Green is AJ Green of 2011, obviously, but that's gonna open up some more of the field for Kyler Murray to find DeAndre Hopkins. We know that he's gonna throw it down there anyways. Fuck it, D Hop's down there somewhere. Yeah, exactly. that's that's the whole thing from last season. So I think that's good. I could have probably my sleepers for the receivers were C.D. Lamb, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. Uh, I could have probably flipped any of the sleepers with A.J. Brown because if A.J. Brown's not in your top of the of your draft board, he's a definite – if you if you're there with the fourth round and A.J. Brown's on the board, fucking grab him. I, I do got A.J. Brown already on one of my teams. I will, I will say that. He is one of my number one receivers. But, yeah, the A.J. Brown could be really tough. For my sleepers – I have Chase Claypool, who people are who who's going to be a six round pick. People forget Chase Claypool was a very very productive flex in a lot of leagues. Debo Samuel, he's going to be the number one receiving option. If Trey Lance is a starting quarterback, look out. Debo Samuel can put up video game type numbers. He could have himself a hell of a season. And then my last my last sleeper, Corlin Sutton, cutting back with Drew Locke. Or sorry, with Teddy Bridgewater being the quarterback, Corlin Sutton is going to get a lot more looks because he's not a guy who's going to hit you over the top. Corlin Sutton will craft you up, be with those shorts, uh, short out routes, those uh, those 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 post patterns. Like he he's not going to hit you seventy five over the top like KJ Hammer will. So look for Sutton to be a good guy in PPR leagues, especially. He is, he runs a, the best twelve yard out. He ran one one to get a first down on Saturday, and then he also ran one to score. 
when it, with Teddy in, but Cortland Sutton's got that out route and the comeback route down. Um, but no, I think if, especially if you go, if you're going to wait for receivers, then you got to hopefully hit on one to also be your flex because like you were saying with Chase Claypool, if you're going to draft a guy there and you haven't drafted up until that point, you want to have some flexibility. So if you're struggling at receiver, be sure to try and at least find somebody with some explosiveness for flex. I think CD lamb, if you have uh, one of the top receivers that we mentioned, and then you get a CD lamb as a flex, that's going to be huge. Chris Godwin, I think, especially now having a full season and a full off season with Tom Brady, we're underestimating how much of a connection that's probably going to be. Yeah, Chris Godwin God- is that guy. Oh, yeah, Godwin, honestly, Mike Evans have been dropping on a lot of fantasy drafts, honestly, lately. I got Mike Evans on one of my teams already, too, and and it's it was wire, weird to me. Mike Evans was there in the fifth or sixth round last year. I remember Mike Evans putting up 30-plus points in a few weeks. Like the dude, both those receivers, they trade off, obviously. One guy has a hot week, the other one doesn't. That's why it's a little bit well, – that's why they're dropping, honestly. But, but one of those guys could be very, very, very consistent because Tom Brady loves both those guys. Godwin is – is the I know it's weird to weird to compare these guys, but he he is the uh, the 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 uh, Wes Welker the, the slot guy compared to Mike Evans being the Randy Moss of sorts, even though they're not comparable. But you know what I mean. That's how Tom Brady uses his weapons and Godwin with his speed and Mike Evans with his tough brute force. Those are really two really good guys. Don't get both, but I would try look for one of those because it's important. It's important that when you look at position groups, don't pick two of the same guys in the, on the same position or, or sorry, same team with the same position. So you should never have two receivers on the same team on your team, if that makes sense. You should, because you should look around. If I have a guy like Corlin Sutton, I don't go out and get Jerry Judy because if I start both them, one guy is going to be taken away from the other, if that makes sense. So that's where you got to take some of these things into factor. Almost both, also with both these position groups, if you have the tight end for a t- team, don't necessarily pick their receivers. Yeah. And bye weeks are a thing. And that's another reason why you probably shouldn't have guys in the same position on the same team. Uh, I was kind of thinking too, and this will be a good way to move into our top five tight ends. These two positions work off each other very well. Cause like we were saying, getting a, a receiver late for a flex, you could also get a tight end late for a flex. And sometimes that's a good option. Uh, but for the top five tight ends, I have them uh, starting with five. I got Noah Fant, number four, Darren Waller, number three, Bobby Tunyon, number two, George Kittle. And number one, Travis Kelsey. Number two and number one are close. I'm, I will say that. But I do still have Kelsey as number one. What, what do you got for your rankings? I'm going to argue here. I think Kelsey is far and away the number one uh, because the dude puts – dude will give you the best production point-wise of any tight end by far and away. I'll, you g- I'll ex- give you far and away because he's not injured either. And I gave yeah, him the edge over Kittle because Kittle's coming off injury. The, 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 only, the only problem I would have – with, with picking up Travis Kelsey for your team is that he doesn't have a beard anymore. That's what you got going against you, really. Um, but but for me, I have – I is have where him, oh, wait, Before you go, this is also where him blocking, not blocking, doesn't matter because for – Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't give a shit. And that's, this is the perfect tight end for that. George Kittle is more the blocking by mm-hmm. brute force. So I'm, I have Noah Fant five. Um, I have TJ Hawkinson at four. Hawkinson is a guy that – 
Detroit has no fucking weapons. He's the and only bright spot. He's the only bright spot they have. Yeah. So, so I, I honestly, Jared Goff is going to dump and play to him all, all year long, honestly. So that's why I like him. I have Darren Waller three. I think I have Kittle two, obviously, and Kelsey one. The two guys are interchangeable for me is Waller and Kittle. Because Kittle coming off that injury, Darren Waller is the number one option to in, in Vegas. Darren Waller is a brute force. Dude's an absolute dog. I hate saying that, but Darren Waller is a guy that if 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 you're honestly in round three, end of round three, early round four, if Darren Waller is there, you snag him. You pick him up right away because Darren Waller should not be falling that far. The dude is the number one option in Vegas. And when Vegas is successful, that's when Darren Waller is at his best. He's a typical flex size too, because he'll make a he'll make an impact if he is able to take over a game. I I have issue. I wanted to put. I told you I was gonna put bump bump Fant for Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson has been playing just as well as Noah Fant. I think Fant might be a little bit more explosive. But then thinking about it, I'm like, if worst case scenario, if all things go to shit in Detroit, Jared Goff's not the quarterback throwing to T.J. Hawkinson. It would be David Blau, yeah. Blau, however you say it. I'm like, I can't. I'm not focused. If there's a possibility that that guy's playing, I am not. I already have enough issue banking on the fact that Jared Goff will be able to get TJ Hawkins in the ball. So that's why he fell a little bit for me. But then sleepers at the tight end position, I put Mike Jasicki. I saw him a little bit lower than I thought he would. Uh, yeah, tight end for the Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. And from Penn, also former Penn State, he was there with Trace McSorley. Um, and right. then Hunter Henry. On time. Hunter Henry now in New England, former Los Angeles Charger, and Mark Andrews is my last sleeper. So guys that are all big athletic guys that can move and, and are good targets over the middle. These are guys that yep. are safety blankets. Hunter Henry, I like a lot because Mac Jones loved the tight end position also and the short out routes too and, and Alabama. So I think Hunter Henry could have a very, very productive year. Um, from, from my from my sleepers, I have Evan Ingram. I think with Daniel Jones, that's going to be his, his, his dump off guy too. It's whether or not Ingram is a top eight type tight end when he's healthy. He has not been healthy at all. That's a problem he's got going for him. Another guy that I like a lot that people are sleeping on is, is Austin Ferkser for Tennessee. Look, Tannehill loved using Delaney Walker and John Smith over there. Like when all the when all the eyes are going to be looked on um, on uh, Julio, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, that means somebody is going to be open, <laughs> and I think that's going to be Ferkser. Ferkser is, is a guy that's not going to be your number one tight end. Don't get me wrong; that's a guy that could be a could be a consistent starter at the flex position, honestly. Um, and so I would look out for Ferkser a lot. And then my last sleeper, I have Tyler Higby. The Stafford loved using Hawkinson in, in Detroit, and I think Tyler Higby in LA could be a guy that that fits perfectly in and Stafford is going to look to, to be consistently the guy to dump it off to um, in a, at the tight end position. And Higby is a pretty big dude too, as well. Similar prototypes. That's uh, it makes sense for tight ends. You want to go, like we said, you don't care if they can block. Uh, I think uh, somebody, I didn't put him in just cause I don't know if he's going to be as big of a freak at the next level, but if Kyle Pitts, that might be one that you maybe gamble on, especially if it's like second or third round and nobody's grabbed him. Cause the dude is an alien. If he is going to be that good, if he's going to translate to the NFL level, that would be a hell of a gamble to take and pay off. Be like, I drafted Kyle Pitts, you know, third round. He was like a backup tight end. and then he. I don't out. know about third round Kyle Pitts. I think maybe he, he's a guy that people are, a lot of people are taking after George Kittle. 
right now the conversation has been Darren Waller or George Kittle. I still think Kyle Pitts has a lot to prove. I, think I don't Tom, know how you don't go with Travis Kelsey because he almost <laughs> led the league. No, no, no. no I'm, no, as the, the guy after Travis Kelsey. What I'm saying, once Travis Kelsey's off the board, people have been deciding on whether going Kyle Pitts or Darren Waller. After Kittle, after Kelsey are gone, that's what the conversation has been because they think Kyle Pitts can be his dog. Um, but that's – we, we just don't know what we're going to get from Atlanta. We really don't because they could be halfway decent because their offense is terrible. They just have no running game. Um, and, but their defense is going to be ass. So the team could win some stupid games by putting up points. And, a, and get you some, get you some great. Calvin really is a good receiver that could be a lookout without Julio down there. Could be a really good production as well. Yeah, they're still going to have Matt Stafford. So Falcons, Falcons players are always Matt Ryan, liable. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan. Jesus, <laughs> oh, man. Um, we got to get into football season so I can be on all my P's and Q's. I'm getting all my. That's my first jumping off sides in the preseason. So, um, but no, having Matt Ryan, the Atlanta receivers especially always liable to pick. Um, might not be a bad bad option. For beside out of the two positions, wide receivers and tight ends, before we move on, what do you think? Where do you think people should focus on? Should they go tight end? Should they go receiver? Uh, how would you put your board going into a, a big draft? I'm going to go on a limb here, a little bit of a hot take here. I'm going to pick tight ends because I think the tight end position is not as deep as receiver position. I think I think you can very well get a good receiver late late in the draft that that that's a hit that's a make or break guy that that really shocks the world. I don't see a whole lot from the tight end position. I see the studs at the top, but I don't see a guy like or I mean maybe no fan, but no fan's like a top five guy, a top six guy. Like that's still a guy that, that's on the top of leaderboards um draft wise. So I would I would honestly focus on tight end position because Tight ends are very similar to quarterbacks in a sense where you want a consistent guy. You, your, your majority of your points are going to come from your receivers, especially in the PPR league and your running backs. That's where the meat of your points are going to come from. The tight end position, you need a guy that's going to come in, get you 8 to 12 points a week. On weeks like Travis Kelsey has where he puts up 20, that's where it's an automatic W for you. If you if you gotta have a guy that's consistently good for you, get you in the double digit points, that's a that that's a great great thing to have. You heard it from the birthday boy himself. Stock up on your tight ends. Go a little bit different of a route. I don't know about stocking up, but well, get a good number one. Good number one. And know that if you're if your other people in your league are stocking up on receivers, you can also supplement through tight ends and be on the lookout for that flex. If you hit on that flex. That's where a lot of guys come back, come from behind, come out of nowhere that people didn't even think that they were going to be competing for their league championship. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that little bit of fantasy football talk. Now we'll get into our beats of the week, our, our normal segments to close things out. We'll talk a little bit about what to expect moving forward. But now beats of the week, win you guys some money. Uh, I'm going to be going I'll, – I'll start off by uh, – you want to start off by mentioning Jake Paul? Because we said this is where we try and fit Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley in. Or do you want to leave that for the end? I'll, I'll give you, give the choice to you. I, I said – I mean, we'll talk about it because I said it last week. I said I would come out and say Jake Paul is a real boxer if he won. He's not a real boxer. I'm, I'm still not going back on that. Fuck that. Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley, you goddamn idiot. He's a loser. What in the world? What, what? I'm so upset that we. That, 
watching watching the the, the pre fight shit, and then Wadley coming out, getting him to lean against the ropes, and you don't fucking attack. Woodley is not a dog anymore. I, every single UFC championship win should be erased from his um, from from his uh, record. The guy is done for. He, I, I hope they don't rematch. They don't deserve a rematch. Give give Jake Paul Tommy Fury Tyson Fury's brother because I don't care about that fight again. I cared once and I was like, man, this is already stupid because Jake Paul won that fight. I'm not gonna sit here and act he like did. he didn't. He won that fight. He won that fight. And the, but the fact that Tyron Woodley talked all that shit and, and came in the ring and didn't perform, you're telling me you got tired that easily? It's a three-minute round, bro. Three-minute round. You would go five minutes and with wrestling. And you're telling me you can't stand up and throw punches for three minutes? That's terrible. Woodley is done for. Check the rocks. I don't want to ever see Woodley's face around ever again. Honestly... It- the real, the real winner here was the UFC because Woodley is already a fucking shit piece of piece of shit fighter. That now it looks better because of how because he was on a five year losing streak and it got worse. Like it's terrible. Um, the only good thing that came out of it was the fighter pay, which maybe it helped, maybe it didn't. But Jake Paul's a bunch of a dumbass that it won't help out in the end. But the fact that Woodley was the underdog, Vegas knew something that I didn't, obviously, and I'm an idiot for betting against Vegas. He had enough stamina in him for one haymaker, and that was about it. He threw one haymaker. It got him pretty good, but Paul was able to weather the fight, and he won. There was no no doubt that in anybody's looking at the numbers alone, and I know numbers don't always tell it, but over 85 more punches thrown and landed from Jake Paul. Tyler really did exactly what he had been That's doing. an embarrassment. Don't I, I hope he doesn't – he shouldn't be able to show his face with dignity. That is an embarrassment. If they if they do have the rematch, they put a tattoo on the line. If Tyron loses the second time, he'll have to get I Love Jake Paul tattooed somewhere on him that it would be visible, and it, it has like a certain um, – a certain size that it would have to be. I, I thought that for Tyron Willie to get a rematch, they have to put, he has to get the tattoo. No, he has to. I think if he loses it, I don't know. They were saying uh, there was so an automatic fun. rematch clause somehow in the contract, but I think it was if Woodley won, Paul wanted an automatic rematch no matter what. But now I don't know what's going on. It's not important because we get to move on. All I'm on. saying is I bet 25 bucks on it and I was so pissed off. I, I had a great week in, in sports betting in Illinois. Love that pick. I took an I took the under on one on the on the um UCLA game that hammered the under because they blew the brakes off Hawaii and like I, I was rolling and I was like oh man I because I bet twenty five dollars and I think I had a seventy five dollar something payoff and I was like oh man this is where we get back on track boys and this motherfucker doesn't show up oh my god. Uh- other one other thing before we actually get into the lines this weekend, I wanted to give a shout out to Fresno's football program. They just passed 100. They just had their 100th season opener on Saturday. 100 years. Uh, 1921 was their the first year that they had a football program. So and they got a big shutout victory over it. So Fresno State. I I like those smaller conferences, just like how we talk about being the champions of the mid majors. Uh, I like Fresno's football program. But that being said. Uh, for college football betting this weekend, I'm not going to call it a lock because I don't want to get roasted, but I think Miami at plus 18, uh, the odds are set at minus 108. I don't think that's a bad bad spread. I think that Miami, I mean, I they are going to lose to Alabama. I think they are definitely going to lose to Alabama, but 
I think they keep it closer than 18 points. I don't see them getting the brakes beaten off of them that bad. This ain't week 10, right? Alabama always they don't they don't beat lose the teams at the beginning of the year, but they always make it interesting. And they always like these first few weeks of the year, especially with a brand new quarterback, too. That's what you gotta take it a factor. 18 and a half. I like that spread a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, like that's that's one you almost hammer down because Alabama with a brand new quarterback, we saw it the years past. Like when they bring a brand new quarterback in that hasn't been in the system at all, and blah, blah, blah. And going on the road right away, being in a hostile environment, that kid hasn't seen a, a full packed out stands in I don't know how long. So that's going to be completely different. And, and I'm not saying they lose. Don't get me wrong. They're going to win. But 18 and a half points, Miami has some talent. Like they do. King's King coming back. Yeah, Derrick King's going to be a good quarterback. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Miami. I, they're not going to be Bama, but they'll make it an interesting game. Yeah, there you go. Jeremy will like that one too. Mr. Fear will like that one. Give uh, give me Miami plus 18 at minus 108. What, what do you I'm got a, for your first beat? I'm going to go with the next. Honestly, this is probably the best game of the weekend. We have Georgia and Clemson this weekend. I'm picking Georgia to beat Clemson at plus 130. I think dude, DJ, what's his last name, Jimmy? Uyagalele. There we go. I think DJ, whatever his last name is, is not going to be it. I think Clemson falls and, and, and this, this Georgia team who, who is bringing a lot of guys back, I'm pretty sure. And they have a second-year starter now. I think Georgia could be a, um, another big SEC team that's a, that sticks around when they shouldn't. And Clemson, after getting the brakes beaten off of them by Ohio State, and then, and then now here we are with, with them and coming back with a new quarterback, basically a whole new system. I don't know if I like the chances. I mean, I'm going to take Georgia plus 130, which is very surprising, too, that the odds are on plus 130. That makes me think that the, the bookies out there like Georgia a lot, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Kirby I think the Smart, spread was at minus five and a half, too. Yeah. So, not, so that's a pretty good one as well. Kirby Smart's going to have his guys ready to go. I don't think that they're returning anybody that you would say, oh, yeah, they don't totally have a shot to beat Clemson. But Clemson, they didn't. When Trevor Lawrence was out and DJ was playing, I don't think DJ lost them the games. It was the team around him. The team around him doesn't have the confidence like they had. And Georgia is going to be a hell of a test week one. So I, I saw that too. I was thinking about putting that one down. But I chose to go instead with Michael Jordan's alma mater. I actually like them to be upset. Virginia Tech plus 176 money line against North Carolina because North Carolina had all the hype going into last season. Mac Jones or Mac Brown as the coach, Sam Howell as the quarterback, and they did not live up to anything. And now they have the same kind of expectations. They're top 10 in the top 25 polls. And Virginia Tech, I can see them coming out and just absolutely raining on everybody's parade in North Carolina blue. Sam Howell is, is the type of quarterback where I am – I don't know where to, what to think of him. I'm, the, I'm, I'm at the point where, like, man, this guy could be the next Baker Mayfield. Or this guy could be the next Will Greer. I like that's that's the ceiling and roof right there. I think he could be a very good starter at the next level, or he could just be a, a college flash. So I don't I don't know what to think about this North Carolina team. Besides, they're a basketball school. So yeah, basketball school. they're still a basketball school. So, Argyle on a football field just doesn't go. I'm sorry, no. but it doesn't doesn't work. Makes me want to throw up. What's uh what do you got for the next line? Like I said, my, my next two beats a week, I'm gonna be around the US Open. So, obviously, the, the favorite right now to win the men's U.S. Open is Jokovic at minus 130. And to complete the, uh, the um, 
oh, what what are they calling it? The the seasonal slam or the the yearly slam where he won all four Grand Slams: French, U.S. Open, Wimbledon. Um, oh my God, what's the last one? That's going to piss me off. There's one more, but I can't think of it at the top of my head. Um, but to win each of those, and and I think I'm gonna, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going Daniel Medvedev plus four thirty. He is the number two seed. Yes, yeah, since he passes the three seed, I hope he doesn't win. But Medvedev is the number two seed. I like him a lot. Um, he 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 played really really well. Um, in his first round matchup on, on Tuesday, I think the dude is going to be a really good force force to be awakened at plus four thirty. Those odds are very very good. All right, my last one. I said I hinted at it a little bit earlier. I said that the Bills are going to have to find a running game for this to happen. Uh, I looked it up on FanDuel today. The Buffalo Bills right now to have the best record in the league is set at plus one thousand. Uh, the odds-on favorite is the Chiefs at I think minus two fifty. And then I think it goes Tampa Bay. I think there might be one other team. And then Buffalo's like fourth betting wise plus 1000. It's, it's one that's going to take a while and it might be one that, you know, early on isn't going to work out, but think about the thrill that you would get every single week. Like Buffalo starts off undefeated and then they're like, okay, just like three more weeks. If they win three more weeks in a row, it's locked that they have the best record in the league. I get my plus 1000. So I, I don't know. It's that one's like a fun one. I think Tampa Bay, honestly, I would I would argue because their division is worse than the Chiefs division. I mean, I think the Chiefs, the Raiders, Chiefs, and Broncos, we don't know what we're going to get from those three teams. I think it's pretty set in stone that everyone, the bottom two teams in, in the Buccaneers division are going to be terrible. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with that. I, I, would, I would love to see maybe, like I said, the odds, someone bet odds on Tampa Bay going undefeated, which I think is ridiculous in general, but we never know. I guess it's Tom Brady, right? That's the one thing yeah. he hasn't done in his career is gone undefeated. What a, I'm look, I've just found it here. Uh, Kansas City is not minus; it's plus four fifty. Kansas City is a betting favorite, and then Tampa Bay plus six hundred, and then Green Bay and Buffalo are tied at plus one thousand. So I, all four of those teams have, if they do play the way that we think they're going to, all four of those teams have some sort of an argument to be made to have money put down on. Best record in the league, but uh, oh. what what do you got for your last one? 100%. My last one, I have um, I have Naomi Osaka to win the U.S. Open plus five hundred. Last time I picked Osaka to win one of these Wimbledon, or I think it was it was either Wimbledon or it was uh, the French Open. She lost the next day after after the episode came out. Um, so hopefully this one works a little bit better for me. I think this is our first Grand Slam since um. I think since last year's U.S. Open, honestly. So I think she's got a good chance to win. Sloan Stevens is another one to look out for uh, alongside with um, Sloan Stevens is, is a t- facing Coco Goff. That's going to be a good match. I believe it's on either Wednesday or Thursday. That's going to be a great match coming up this week. But that look for those two to come out, um, be, be sleepers. But Naomi Osaka, if she's back fully healthy, she is definitely one of the better um, tennis players or female tennis players in the world. It's exciting to see Osaka back. I just wanted her to get back out there since she's taking some time off with mental health and everything. Um, obviously, we talked a lot about that as well. So those are the beats of the week. We'll get get your bets in, win some money. Uh, either bet, do what Nico did and bet against everything we said when he saw Jeremy take the lock of Nebraska over Illinois or listen to us and maybe we'll all get a little bit more money in our pocket. But now finishing up with player and play of the week, uh, for play of the week, I have Adrian Martinez, quarterback for Nebraska. It was, the game was already over. It was like 30 to nine at this point, uh, but he took it 75 yards to the house. And it, it kind of, I basically gave it to him because it showed that he has some heart. 
Like he could have not ran for a 75 yard touchdown, but he decided that he wanted to finish it off and they ended up coming close. So I think it ended up, it was an eight point game at when it was all said and done, Illinois didn't score at all in the fourth quarter, but Adrian Martinez, a 75 yard touchdown got my pick for play of the week. Yeah. My, my play of the week. I know we, this is this, we didn't really talk about this whole lot, but the, the Mets situation about the booing is a really interesting one. And Javi Baez on Tuesday or Tuesday, he had a game-winning run. There was a single to left field, and Baez was on first base, and there was a guy on third, and the left fielder bobbled the ball, and Baez scored from first base. But dude, he was flying around the bases. He just sent it fully, and, and the Mets won on a walk-off. I think it's a whole weird situation. Baez doesn't want to be in New York. He wants to be in Chicago still. He's going he's gonna, he's gonna to end up with the Cubs again. But it's, it's just funny how he uh, – the booing thing. I Look, the Mets, I think, only have two games better record or three games better record than the Rockies do. And with as much talent as they do, that should never be happening. And I think it's funny how they're, they're booing back to the fans. Yeah, the fan – I was like, he's getting booed by his own fan base. But then I remembered Javi Baez is not going to be a New York Met after this season. That, that swing also was hilarious. Did you see the video of that swing? Oh, where 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 he – if you're on Twitter, search out – anyone out there, search up Javi Baez swing. And the guy swings a good five seconds before the ball gets close. So, like, like it, it, it's like when you – Jam X way too early on LBS show, and it just swings automatically. It was one of the weird, the, the wackiest things I've ever seen. And Javi Baez is a guy that you either love or you hate him, and the Mets fans obviously hate him. He was, uh, he had the base running play earlier too, where he got a, it was an infield ground ball, and he got caught in a rundown between first and home, and ended up getting two RBIs and a double out of it because Pirates suck that bad. So Javi Baez is a, a magician on the bases. Pretty sure that's his nickname or something. Uh, El, no, is it El Mago? Is that his nickname? El Mago is, is the magician in, in Spanish. Yeah. I know. It's either him or that's uh, um, Fernando Tassis. I don't know. I like so we don't call him yeah. baseball. Fan. Baseball is uh, iffy. Uh, the, only El, the only El Mago I know is Faku Composo. <laughs> uh, who do you got for – give me with your player of the week. My player of the week, I'm going to go, like I said, the UFC fights this weekend were actually pretty good. Brian Battle, who uh, won the Ultimate Fighter, like I said, I talked about a little bit last week. The guy started MMA five years ago. Started it five years ago. He is like 28 years old, and the guy is a great story. He was the last pick on the Ultimate Fighter, and he he came out and just worked Gilbert Urbina. The guy just absolute dominated he got better every single week and he was a guy one of the hardest workers too in the ultimate fighter that's one of the reasons why i like watching that show is because you have to see guys work ethic and the guy was unbelievable and uh, he's going to be a, a name to remember for a long time and him winning the ultimate fighter was a cake on top this past weekend yeah that's that is the best only five years yeah shows. only five years into the sport too is just wild to me i saw a commercial espn ran a commercial for uh, his story and I was I was rooting for the guy after I saw it it was it was a cool situation for him uh, my player of the week is Tyler Huntley uh, I'll give you 10 bucks if you can tell me where Tyler Huntley went to college without looking it up can I can I get can I get a conference Pac-12 oh probably oh Washington nope you wasn't there wasn't there a Huntley that oh Brett Huntley played at Washington yeah. right yeah, oh, so I was like I'm, I'm, I'm not that far. Yeah. And it's Huntley. 
It is this one's Huntley, <laughs> not Huntley. Uh, but uh, Brett, Tyler Huntley, yeah, Tyler Huntley was 24 of 33, had 258 yards and four touchdowns, and then also ran for another touchdown. This one was partially a redemption thing for me because the last time we saw Tyler Huntley was when the Bills were absolutely clobbering the Ravens after they knocked Lamar Jackson out in the divisional round. And then it, he was the backup quarterback that came in. So he got redemption, and he had a five-touchdown game. And and the Ravens broke the all-time record for consecutive preseason wins. Round of applause, 20 in a row. It's incredible. Nobody I ever thought it that. was happening. I, I totally forgot to bet on that, but they worked whoever they played. Like, they were playing that game like they wanted that record so badly, too. Like I they, believe they, it was Washington. Yeah, they. I think the score after the first quarter was like twenty-five to three or something stupid like that. They came out like re- like wanting to win that for the record. Yeah, they, I think it's hilarious. We may never see that record again. No, the, this would, and they broke it. Uh, they broke uh, one of Vince Lombardi's Packers records. That's who it was. They uh, they beat the Washington football team thirty-seven three. Yeah, they worked them. Like I said, they worked them. <laughs> Yeah, so that's player of the week this week, and that's going to bring us to an end of episode 55 of the Far End Adventure. Once again, I know it's been late. We'll mention it in the intro of the show. Happy birthday to my co-host, Nico Bryant. It is today. Be sure to tag him and the podcast in the birthday shout-out. We'll, uh, we'll interact with you guys. But you can listen to new episodes of this podcast, Far End of the Bench, every Wednesday on all of your favorite podcasting platforms with YouTube videos dropping Thursday and Friday. So be sure to follow and subscribe on all those things. Follow us on our social media at FEOTB Pod. Use our link tree. It's got links to all of our different pages. And now the Box State Bruins donate page will be in there as well. Um, and then if you want to listen to another podcast of mine, that's not so much sports-based. It's basically just an hour and a half of random nonsense with my brother. It's every other week now. And we're releasing those every other Tuesday, the Dago Express. Uh, but Nico, I, I'll say it one more time for me. Happy birthday. This was a big, pe- fun, packed episode. This is the second birthday on the podcast, too. I know. So, yours coming up now soon, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it was a fun one. 24 Mamba year now. So I had the LeBron year, like I call it last year. Now it's the Mamba year this year. So hopefully, um, when, when you, while you guys are listening to this, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm playing a really good round of golf. And I'm not getting rained out on. So and make sure we get a birthday birthday golf swing so that people have to go back and and compare. Oh, it won't be (laughs) Well, it's never just compare it to one of my swings, man. That's true. That's true. Watch that video and be like, "Oh, Nico's a lot better than Jimmy." And you'll be like, "Yeah, exactly." (laughs) Um, No, but thank you everybody for tuning in. It's been a fun time. We'll be back next week one more time, and we'll be back in person. Nico is traveling, dropping his brother off at college, and and celebrating his birthday this week. But we'll be back in person for myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host and birthday boy Nico Bryant. This has been Far End of the Bench, episode fifty-five. We will catch you next week. This is the blues I'm playing. Yes, it's a final thing When the night is cold and lonely This is a dollar bill Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them presents, I made it a habit Towing them pictures and serving them addicts